Welcome to Disney Versus, the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. And tonight, we're talking Halloween. Goober. <laughs> I'm Tori. I'm Grace. We're talking about Nightmare Before Christmas tonight. Super awesome cult classic by, well, kind of by Tim Burton, but... We'll get into that. Yeah, not really. I definitely have some really strong connections to this movie. I think Tori does, too. In the studio, we have Heather. Hey. What's up, Heather? Nothing much. Are you excited to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas? Of course. Let's get the plugs out of the way. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Disneyverses, and at Disneyverses on Twitter. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review, tell us how we're doing, all that good stuff. As Grace said, we're talking about Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, came out in uh, 1993. Grace, do you want to give us a brief plot of Nightmare Before Christmas? This movie's about Jack Skellington, who's the king of Halloween Town. And we learn as the movie goes on that there are seven different towns based around different holidays. And Halloween Town is dedicated completely to creating everything that goes into Halloween and putting it out into the world that we live in and jack gets bored with halloween town and so he discovers some of these other towns and walks into christmas town and it's about jack trying to commandeer christmas as his own so tori tell me about what this movie means to you how you got into it kind of your history with it my history with this movie is kind of brief i do remember growing up watching this movie a lot at my cousin slash aunt's house Basically, I remember wearing that VHS out because every so often it was either at my cousin's house, it was either Jurassic Park, Power Rangers the movie, or Nightmare Before Christmas, or Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's a big list. Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas was like the Disney movie that we watched growing up. And I didn't become, I kind of passively liked it. I didn't become a huge fan of it until probably college. It's probably your fault, Grace. Let's be real. It's probably your fault. Probably. Do you consider it to be more of a Halloween movie or more of a Christmas movie? I consider it a Halloween movie because my Christmas equivalent to this is The Grinch. So this movie is is very near and dear to me. I think I ranked this number two in our overall listing. So we'll talk about it later in an actual versus episode. So I saw this movie when I was three. It came out right before my third birthday. My mom and I listened to the soundtrack as we did a road trip across the country and listened to this nonstop. And my mom has the words simply meant to be engraved on her wedding band. So it's very close to my family. That's really sweet. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) So my family isn't traditional really by any means and we don't really have many traditions. Christmas, really the lead up to Christmas, we don't even celebrate Christmas anymore. But when we put up the Christmas tree, we always have Nightmare Before Christmas on, and I make Mexican hot cocoa. And our Christmas tree, it used to be the short pink tinsel tree. And after eight years or so, a long time, it got super bleached out. And so now I think we have two tall, skinny black tinsel trees. Almost all the ornaments are from the places we've traveled. My family and I travel a lot. So there are tons of keychains, because keychains aren't really breakable. 
But it was interesting for me watching this. I watched it last night. I don't know the last time I actually watched the entire thing where I had my eyes on it the whole time because I'm so used to putting up the Christmas tree. Heather, we're going to go to you a lot more this episode. What's your personal connection with this movie? Me personally, my family wasn't really huge into Nightmare Before Christmas. Honestly, I don't even know if they know it exists, to be totally honest. So I kind of had to like see it through friends and I don't really know who I watched it with at first or anything like that. I just know like, there was like a summer or something that I went through like this huge Tim Burton craze of some sort, but mainly like with the claymation stuff. So like Nightmare Before Christmas and like Corpse Bride. And I'm pretty sure once Coraline came out, holy crap, I was like, Wah! but you know, like I, those those three are like my main three. I always watch them for Halloween. To me, Nightmare for Christmas is it's both Halloween and Christmas. I just use both holidays as, as an excuse to watch it. My mom is a firm believer that this is a Christmas movie, but I, I mean, I watch it at Halloween and at Christmas time. So let's talk a little bit about the production of Nightmare Before Christmas. So it was directed by Henry Selleck, who directed um, James the Giant Peach and Coraline. Note, this is directed by Henry Selleck. This is not directed by Tim Burton like everybody thinks. So Tim Burton wrote a short story many years before, and Disney considered making it into either a, a short movie or a 30-minute special it kind of fizzled out and then many years later tim burton realized that disney still had the rights to it he was working on batman batman returns at the time and in pre-production for ed wood um so he was only on set for what like 10 days of this three-year production so henry selick directed it and um tim burton didn't even write the screenplay really he was really just responsible for the initial concept and he's listed as a producer. Tim Burton was the guy who was like, hey, I have an apple. And everybody else was the people who made applesauce and apple pie and apple juice. <laughs> That's what happened. We still love apples, though. It's It doesn't bother me too much that it's listed as Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas because it was very much created in his legacy. There are a couple things that were invented. One of them was a alarm that let the stage crew know that not all the lights came on for production, so they couldn't start filming without all the lights on because it would completely ruin a scene. The production took roughly 100 people three years to complete, and there are 12 stop-motion moves for every second of film, and they used 20 sound stages. So this is a crazy, intense, detailed production. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool. There were over 100,000 frames for the whole film. Jack Skellington had something like 400 different faces, which I think... He's super expressive in his face. Yeah, because he's... Yeah. Tyler was mentioning last night that he loves it that he blinks because it's completely unnecessary for Jack Skellington to blink. We were talking about that. That and the fact that he has a tongue. Or he doesn't have a tongue. Yeah, he does. I don't... He does have a tongue. I don't... Because he, when he was scaring the the three trick or treaters, he went he went like this, and That's then like right. his tongue okay, kind of came out right. too. Oh. You're right. There was somewhere else when oh when he says like Sandy Claws, you can see the inside of his mouth and he has no tongue. And I'm like, wait a minute, if he doesn't have a tongue, he should sound like Rocky Balboa the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Patrick Stewart did the original introduction, and you can hear it on the soundtrack, but I don't think it's actually in the movie version. Jack is voiced by Chris Sarandon, but all the singing is actually sung by Danny Elfman, who composed all of the music. Catherine O'Hara did the voice of Sally, his his ragdoll love interest. And I love Catherine O'Hara because, do you guys know who Catherine O'Hara is? 
She's the mom from Home Alone. Oh, that's really cool. She's the best. And she's also in Be- Beetlejuice. She's the yeah. She's in Beetlejuice. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that before I started kind of looking stuff up. But I was like, oh, that's so cool. And I still didn't really hear it when I was watching it last night. But you don't hear it. Yeah. Not, not at all. Yeah. No, it's so airy. Like it's so airy and like up there. I didn't. It, I didn't yeah. recognize it like at all. She's also the voice of Shock, and Paul Rubin yes. is the voice of Locke, the one with the devil mask. And who is Beryl? I think Danny Elfman does multiple voices, or maybe Chris Sarandon. Yeah, Danny Elfman was the voice of Beryl. Speaking of so. Danny Elfman, the little guy that's talking in the double bass in the band is modeled after Danny Elfman. Nice. Yeah. I like when they like model things after like the voice actors to kind of like kind of in Zootopia the Shakira character. Oh, Gazelle is modeled after Shakira. She gave like input. The reason Gazelle has hips is because Shakira was like girls have curves. And Shakira's hips in particular don't lie. So <laughs> So I'm told. Yeah, we went there. So I'm told. But yeah, so I think that's really cool like when they do that and stuff kind of like brings them into the movie a little more aside from just their voice and stuff. So, Tori, you were saying that you read the poem for the first time. What did you think? This week, I read the poem for the first time. I thought it was a short story, and Grace mentioned it. And I liked it a lot. I knew mm-hmm. that this was made from a short story. Uh-huh. I didn't know it was so faithful to the poem. Yeah, I read it a long time ago, several years ago. And then I just read it right before we started recording. And I had forgotten that, too, that it really is. It sets a great scene and the movie really doesn't veer too far away from the poem. Yeah, I, I like it. I'm a fan. They kind of take it and just, like, inject yeah. idea. They, they, they just bring it to life. Yeah. yeah. I was really impressed watching this last night. The movie's only an hour and 16 minutes long, and it moves quickly. Yeah, it's... But it doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel rushed. It just, it's very natural. Yeah. It's very, I think, pretty complete. The songs are great. There's so many songs, too. Yeah. It always amazes me, like, how many songs there are in this movie. Just because I always forget that, like, I don't know, I feel like you blink and suddenly they're singing again. And it's like, oh, okay. And, like, all the songs are good. Like, they're all, you know. My mom made the comment that she thinks she could quote the entire movie from start to finish verbatim. (laughs) And I, I think she's probably right. I definitely, I was singing along with almost all the songs last night. And there were maybe one or two that I was like, I don't know all the words to this. And it's funny listening and hearing lyrics that you know, that's not an actual lyric. I've mismemorized that. (laughs) Do we count the speak singing as songs? Like the town meeting. He's just speaking kind of the whole time. Yeah, I count that. Or like kidnap Mr. Sandy Claus when they all like, they interact with each other, but it's also like singing, but not really. Yeah, that's totally, that's a song. I feel like that's more of a song. Jackson, we should work together. Because... Kidnap the Sandy Claus has a chorus. Yeah. And the town meeting kind of isn't. Kind of doesn't. But it's still a song. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Or is it... It's just a musical number, kind of. I don't feel like it's a straight-up song. Maybe. If there's a difference. I'm trying to think about... How does it start? He says, listen, everyone. And then he just launches into... No, it's totally a melodic song. Melodic speaking. The town meeting song? Yes. I'm just talking about the town meeting song. I think everything else is probably good. Except the town meeting song. It's totally a song. Okay. He still has the inflection of his voice. Goes along with the background music kind of thing. So, I mean, 
I have this book about the Nightmare Before Christmas, and there's even a section called Lyrics for the Town Meeting Song. It's a song. Trumped. Okay. Boom. (laughs) Okay. Also, the word for basically speech song or whatever is super German, and I don't know how to say it. I can spell it. S-P-R-E-C-H-G-E-S-A-N-G. Sprechgesang. All these music degrees in here, and we can't pronounce this word. So trying to look at the original poem and look at things that are in the movie that the poem doesn't directly talk about. When the three trick-or-treaters, Lock, Shock, and Barrel, kidnap Santa Claus, that's in the poem, and I didn't really expect it to be. Like, specifically, it says three trick-or-treaters knock on his door, and I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. That's verbatim what happens. <laughs> Yeah, it was really cool. That was a really cool. Mm-hmm. I think the movie did a really good job of creating all of these characters because in the poem, they're really you've got the trick or treaters, you've got Zero, you've got Jack, and you've got Santa Claus, and that's pretty much it. And I mean, they mentioned some of the creepy things that are in Halloween Town, but you don't get all of the you don't get the mayor, and you don't get Sally, and you don't get the mad scientist, and and I think they did a really great job of creating all of these really interesting characters that some of which we recognize from Halloween lore and horror, and but some of them we don't, or at least like I wasn't familiar with before. But there are vampires and there are ghosts and. The thing under your bed, creature from the back lagoon, and there's the dude with like the melty face, and he like pokes it. (laughs) There's like a string. That's like Clayface, (laughs) like freaking. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. What if that's an allusion to Clayface and Batman because Tim Burton directed Batman? I noticed a lot of penguins. Speaking of Batman, I noticed a lot of penguins, especially in Christmas Town. Yeah, yeah. I noticed at least three in the Christmas Town. Mm Hmm. I'm gonna have to go. Back I wasn't specific. I wasn't looking for penguins. <laughs> there's a penguin in Halloween Town, I think, too. Maybe got lost. I kind of just want to jump into what I liked about the poem and what I didn't like about the movie. The feels. The first thing I said to Heather when we finished the movie was, "I don't like the ending." I didn't. Yeah. And Mm-mm. where that relates to specifically where that. Be- relates to the poem is at the end of the poem santa claus feels like a warmer character like jack fails yeah in the poem and in the movie jack fails to bring he fails in his version of christmas and when he does fail in the poem santa's like it's okay it's okay halloween is your thing you do that I got Christmas. In the movie, Santa's just kind of all around pissed off. Even though he throws them a bone and he's like, hey, let me drop some snow on you guys because snow is awesome. <laughs> in the in the poem, he's warmer. And in the movie, he's just pissed off. I guess because he got kidnapped and Oogie <laughs> tried to do stuff to him. Yeah, man. Yeah, see, and Oogie Boogie didn't exist in, in the poem, so exactly yeah look all those bugs it kind of ruins my perception of santa claus because in all media all media santa claus is just this jolly happy person and to see pissed off santa claus is just like yeah and rudolph he was pissed off too was he yeah at some point i mean he couldn't see mainly mainly at mrs claus trying to fatten him up and he was just like no (laughs) (laughs) and even at the end of briefly getting into the music at the end of the soundtrack, there's a closing, and it's somebody, you know, going back and talking to Jack. And the way it sounds, it sounds like it's Santa Claus going back and talking to Jack. And the way they chat, it's 
sounds like they're old friends. Like, uh-huh. he's, you know, visiting his kids and everything. And he's like, yo, mm-hmm. would you... You remember what happened that night. I mean, you, you crashed and burned. You failed. Would you go back and do it again, knowing that your big idea was a huge failure? And Jack says, wouldn't you? And that sounds like an exchange between close friends. And that's something that I like that the poem... I'm basically getting at that I like that in the poem and the soundtrack, Santa is a warmer character. Uh-huh. And in the movie, he's just... Listen to Sally. She makes sense. (laughs) I mean, Jack just wanted to try something new. Yeah. Let's talk about Sally for a little bit. What are your thoughts about Sally? To me, Sally is the only sane person in the room. She knows this is a bad idea. She's trying to tell people it's a bad idea. She's trying to get Jack to, like, wake up and smell the coffee or the pumpkins or... Wake up and smell the pumpkin spice latte. Oh, man. Ew. Then he just disregards her. Like, Sally's kind of portrayed as as the sane person and, and this really smart person. And she finds her way, she works her way out of her kind of imprisonment under, what's his name, Franken... Finkelstein. Finkelstein. But mm-hmm. then she just kind of falls for Jack, who isn't paying attention to her and, and doesn't respect her ideas. I don't know. Yeah. I agree with you that Sally is the smartest, most capable person in Halloween Town. I feel like the way she was written, she was the smart person and she was also like the schoolgirl with the crush. Because, Heather, remember when she saw the, the thing from Jack and she just kind of like collapsed against the wall like, he looked at me. <laughs> When he gets her basket. Oh, yeah, we referenced the Incredibles. Yeah, there's yeah. there's totally an Incredibles moment where Sally turns into Violet and she just kind mm-hmm. of swoons over Jack. I feel like Sally is a great but incomplete character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like the... Okay, so Sally's escaped before, which Finkel whatever... <laughs> Finkelstein. Finkelstein, thank you. He's mentioned he mentioned before that she had escaped before kind of thing and that this is just a phase. But I feel like she's escaped more often than like we think. And so I have this feeling that she's had feelings for Jack for a while and that she gets really that he gets really over like the fact that he got really over like overly excitable about Christmas because one of the things that she likes about him but she was like bro you gotta reel it back in but he was like no but make me Santa (laughs) let's talk about that for a second Heather and I you talked about it when we were watching it I originally thought when we wrote I wrote a bonus episode that we may talk about in the future about Jack having a midlife crisis I don't think after watching it, he had a midlife crisis. I think he just had like writer's block because he walks away talking about it's the same as last year and the year before that and the year before that. No, I I disagree. I feel like I, I definitely am more on the this is a midlife crisis train. He's been doing this for a hot minute. He's over it. There are only so many things you can do. I, I mean, I don't think there's that much pressure to innovate for Halloween. So he just wanted something new to work on. I think he was in a rut because he gets blown out of the sky and he sings about, you know, how he just wanted to do something great. And then he says, I have all these new ideas for next year, for next Halloween. And it's going to be great. I think he just, he got in a rut he had writer's block and he just needed something to break him out of his funk and so he could create something new. Mm-hmm. It's not like that permanent Ferrari. 
that people usually get for midlife crisis <laughs> stuff. It was just kind of like a, hey, let's like put a spin on something really quick. And he, you know, had his like failure moment and like, you know, saying really sad. But then at the end, he was like, well, what the heck? I tried my best. And now I have all these new things, you know, for Halloween and stuff. And it, it kind of like made him reappreciate Halloween. Yeah. Okay, let's hop into music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Danny Elfman is responsible for composing all of the music and all of the songs for Nightmare Before Christmas. Danny Elfman also composed for The Simpsons, Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands. He scored everything that Tim Burton's ever done aside from Edward, Sweeney Todd, and the most recent... Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Yeah. Tori, tell me about Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman is what do you want like facts or do you want my opinion yes okay well to clear up some things first danny elfman did the theme for the simpsons everything else on the simpsons that's alf clausen danny elfman just did the theme and he I, I believe he did part of the simpsons movie too i'll give him that credit i think he's also he's been in the halloween special before I think he's been a featured... Yeah, I think he was a voice actor for a Halloween special. Some things that you may not know that he did. He did Men in Black. He did Flubber. He did... It's Flubber! He did Meet the Robinsons, another movie that we'll be talking about later in our bracket. He did Corpse Bride, uh, the Spider-Man movies, Charlotte's Web, Nacho Libre, Wanted, Nine, another great movie that I recommend... Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. The remake of Alice in Wonderland with Johnny Depp. (laughs) Danny Elfman is prolific. He's in that Hans Zimmer range, though, where some of his stuff tends to be recycled. I don't think it's as blatant as some of Hans Zimmer's stuff. Like, I I don't know of any direct quotes between Elfman. Oh, I think it's more so. Oh, yeah? I think it's more so. I can't really quote any people directly, but... In, you know, compositional circles, I think Danny Elfman kind of, he does cues and he has other people do the rest of his writing. He oh, has like a team that in does that the sense. rest of his writing. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's why Elfman's stuff kind of sounds the same. Yeah. It's not him every time. He's the starter, but he's not the closer. Yeah. What did you think? Do you have a favorite song from this movie? Probably Jack's Lament is my favorite song from the movie. And then it's kidnap the sandy claws and the oogie boogie song i don't like the oogie boogie song i love oogie boogie he's just a great he's one of my favorite villains as little as he's in the movie yeah, I was gonna say, he's like barely there <laughs> yeah i love what's this i like jack's lament a lot and i think i probably know that one the best which one is that one again there are few who deny that what i do i am the best Oh, yes. Okay, cool. The, it's when at the beginning, right after walking the, up the this Curl is Halloween Hill. song. Yeah. When he's basically like, it's before he sleepwalks yes. into the forest yes. to find the doors. Yes. <laughs> cool. So, something I noticed last night, how how do you think Zero was put on screen? Like, how do you think he was animated? Wet silk or tissue paper. Really? I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't know. There was one part... He doesn't look clay. No. no. He's transparent. Yeah. So I don't know. It's very floaty. So I don't... I don't know how they did that. I think they animated him like they animated Oogie Boogie's uh, shadow. Oh. I I paused 
um, during one of the Oogie Boogie sequences, and you could tell the inside of his mouth. It's like purple. It looks like purple silk. It's mm-hmm. It's got yeah. a slight sheen. You can actually see that it looks like fabric. I love that th- this movie doesn't look like you're looking at clay figures. Um, it looks like it's been animated. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, you get a little peek. Talking about Oogie Boogie for a second, I kind of want to know... I want an Oogie Boogie movie. No. Because from the beginning... <laughs> like a backstory? From the beginning... Kind of. Not so much a backstory. Not so much an origin story. I want to know about him and Jack's beef. Because from the beginning, when... Everyone's got to have a bad guy. And don't tell that no good Oogie yeah, Boogie. Yeah, when he tells yeah. Lockshock and Barrel to go get Sandy Claus, and he's like, yo, leave your boss out of this. Why? I mean... Like, clearly sure. he's a gambler he's got a gambling yeah. problem also who's gambling with oogie boogie see <laughs> who is he i guess nobody now i want to i want to see a movie <laughs> like... i want like a short film oogie boogie's poker night i want that. <laughs> casino night with oogie boogie but when jack shows up to rescue santa claus and sally he just flips out he's like how dare you treat my friends so shamefully jack and oogie boogie have a backstory yeah that Mm -hmm. somebody could flush out i don't think it's gonna happen because in 2001 disney wanted to make a sequel and uh, tim burton said no basically he talked him out of it like disney wanted jack to go to like thanksgiving world and they wanted to delve into the other kind of worlds and in other hands Mm -hmm. nightmare before christmas would have gotten like five direct-to-dvd sequels with jack in easterland I I really respect that Tim Burton wanted to kind of protect that, though. Like, in the wrong hands, Nightmare Before Christmas could have been, like, Land Before Time. It could have, you <laughs> know, 13 sequels that nobody knows about. Oh, my gosh. So. Right. And a Netflix TV show that nobody watches. Yeah. Kind of going back to Oogie Boogie, he's not in the poem. No. That's all them. So, really, they if they did decide to do that, they could literally spin it off any way they wanted to because they're not necessarily tied down to the poem even though they did such a good job at sticking to the poem and like just kind of inserting things here and there you know that oogie boogie could kind of be his own thing you know headcanon oogie boogie is the old king of halloween oh jack comes into town and steals his thunder and everybody love notice everybody loves jack Nobody talks mm-hmm. about Oogie Boogie. Because he's a sweet guy. Except Lock, Shock, and Barrel. And Jack. Lock, Shock, and Barrel are like the Oogie Boogie Halloween purists that love mm-hmm. Oogie Boogie regardless of any wrongdoings heretofore. Oh, the mayor. They respect Jack because he's. Everybody, everybody loves Jack. So they respect Jack, but they love Oogie Boogie. That's just my headcanon. The mayor mentions Oogie's boys, so it's definitely... Yeah, so the mayor knows of Oogie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, how is it that Jack is the king of Halloween Town, but there's also mayor? Exactly. I'm only an elected official. I think king king of Halloween Town or whatever is more is more a title of you're the best scarer. So not necessarily like he rules things. He's got great influence because he's... Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, because he's the best scarer of of them all, and then the mayor's just kind of, you know, he's the one that actually runs the town, and then him and Jack deliberate 
on what to do for Halloween and stuff. Gotcha. That that's my thought on it. That makes sense. So speaking of the other towns, there are seven total towns. Um, there's Halloween, Christmas, Easter, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Thanksgiving, and Independence Day. So this is definitely happening in America. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Yes. I want to see that guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? What do you think is happening in, in these, like, what's going on in St. Patrick's Day town? I think they're just a whole bunch of leprechauns. Nightmare before everybody gets really drunk. around, right? <laughs> Getting drunk and you know that movie, The Luck of the Irish. <laughs> oh my <That's>, god! <laughs> the movie The Luck of the Irish takes place in St. Patrick's Day Town. Is Valentine's Day Town full of Saint Valentine and that whole story, which is really dark history, or is it about hearts and roses and candy? I think Cupid is like their Jack Skellington. Gotcha. Okay, and then. We've it's like Santa Easter Claus, Bunny. the Easter Bunny, Jack, a, a leprechaun, Cupid. Cupid, a turkey. Think about the population problem in Easter Town. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so for Thanksgiving, do you think it would be a turkey or is it pilgrims and Native Americans? <laughs> a turkey. Or I guess I guess pilgrims, really, because what? <laughs> I think a turkey. There's a turkey on the door. Yeah. We also eat turkey. Or is it families fighting with each other at Thanksgiving dinner? Or is it, yeah, is it, is it just constant war? I think it's all <laughs> the above. <laughs> One interesting fact we haven't talked about is Nightmare Before Christmas was intended to be released under the Walt Disney banner, but the company thought that it was a little too dark. The movie was a little too dark for children, so it was released under Touchstone Pictures instead. Which is Disney's more mature label. Kind of like its alter ego. Something that people don't know about Walt Disney, the Walt Disney Company, is that when Touchstone came out, people were like, Walt wouldn't like this. Because everybody thinks that Walt was just Disneyland, Disney, Disney, everything. The brighter stuff. I remember reading that people say that Walt would have loved Touchstone and the darker movies that came out of Touchstone. Because he's like, I chain smoke and, you know, all this stuff. I'm not the bright guy all the time. And I feel like Touchstone would have been the other part of Walt's personality. Just a fun fact. What about Hunchback? Speaking of dark, what about Hunchback of Notre Dame? Was that, did that come out with Disney? Yes, or? Hunchback is definitely it, Disney. Touchstone. It came out with Disney. Yeah. It came out with Disney. And they thought Nightmare Before Christmas was darker? I definitely think it's darker. I think it has a darker palette. I color think palette. it's also more blatantly dark, where kids aren't necessarily gonna get all of the really twisted storyline from Hunchback. Yeah, they're not gonna see. All I can the see deaths. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. The music for this is great. Have either of you listened to Nightmare Revisited? It's basically the cover album for the nightmare before christmas i've heard a couple of the songs i've definitely heard who is it i've heard that this is halloween by marilyn, oh, marilyn manson. manson yeah marilyn manson so or... good yeah i'm oh a big fan gosh. of that one. that was the first one i ever heard actually i think i like that version more than the original oh i don't because i love singing all the voices but marilyn manson is definitely the right person to do a cover of this is halloween yeah <laughs> I agree. Unlike yes. oh my uh, God. freaking, who is it, Fallout Boy? Fallout Boy for What's This? <sighs> yeah. Oh no. my gosh. There's color everywhere. What's this? It's like, what? 
Oh, I didn't get into this, but I'll elaborate when we get into the episode. Sally's song is kind of where I get up and go make food. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Oh. When Sally starts singing, like right when her song starts, that movie... Pee breaks. Yeah, definite pee break. <laughs> From there all the way to when Jack starts singing is where I kind of zone out. Like the Christmas montage isn't that great. You're wrong. We'll get into that in our episode in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that'll that'll be a fight. Stay tuned. But I love the I love the remixes. It's there's been so many remasterings of this soundtrack. It's they did the the special edition before they released it in 3D. They did Nightmare Revisited and what's it called notes and notations which is basically special edition and extra content of danny elfman's scores they did corpse ride mars attack batman scissor edward scissorhands and beetlejuice and Hmm. nightmare yeah if notes and notations it's really great it's like a i think 12 disc cd of just the originals and extra content wow it's pretty great so drunken disney drunken disney so tori threw out some ideas tori still gives me too many rules i gave you four that's too many there's a three rule limit so i've narrowed it to two but one has three subparts so anytime they say jack halloween or christmas you take a drink God. and anytime they start a song you take a drink there is no finish your drink these are simple things that i feel like are said enough is it more like take a swig kind of thing yeah let's take a sip take a sip take a hearty thirst quenching drink a swig yeah swig sorry <laughs> yeah i like those it's though because <laughs> they say jack in this like jack and rose in titanic jack jack we got him this time we really got him oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think those are are pretty good rules. I drank this with wine last night, but I did not play Jock and Disney with it. Yeah, because my rules would have killed Maybe you. Maybe that'll be a birthday challenge. So that's our Halloween special. Woo! Tune in next week for episode four. Our matchups are Wally versus Cars 2, Oliver and Company versus Sleeping Beauty, The Little Mermaid versus Lady and the Tramp, and Treasure Planet versus Tarzan. Are you excited for any of those? Oh, that's good. Oh my god. I love Treasure Planet. <laughs> I've never seen it. You've never seen Treasure Planet? No. Wow. I like forced, I went through a phase where I like forced like most of my UNT friends to like come over and watch it with me. <laughs> Whenever they'd be like, movie night, what are we watching? I was always like, Treasure Planet. I was one of those friends. <laughs> That's funny. I just watched Little Mermaid. I'm excited to rewatch Cars 2 and Wally to see if Cars 2 is actually as bad as everybody thinks. Ugh. And if it's as bad as I remember. I may or may not watch that with you. Oh, you're watching it with me. <laughs> you are. Oh, no. You are. Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Disneyverses. You can follow us on Twitter, at Disneyverses. And remember to rate, review, and to subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. Woo! Happy Halloween! Woo! Happy Halloween!